Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Yes, strange digital man. This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Welcome, listeners. My name is Max Minardi. And I am Johnny Samares. We... <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny. I think it's because you just said Midsommar a second ago. <laughs> uh, okay. This is a podcast about craft beer and film. We're based in Chico, California. Each and every week, we put out an episode where we review two craft beers and one movie. Uh, and we also do sometimes more craft beers and more movies. But generally speaking, you'll get at least that. We don't spoil our movie of the week until the end of the show. We'll give you plenty of heads up. This week, we're talking about Quentin Tarantino's latest Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Johnny Summers, where can people find us on the interweb? All of the social medias at Fresh Hop Cinema. You're going to find us on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook. Go like our stuff. Share it with your friends. They need to listen, too. Also, you can find us at FreshHopCinema.com. It's our online home for all our episodes, catalogs of reviews, pictures, all kinds of fun stuff. Also, Patreon. For as little as $1 an episode, you can sponsor slash support us. Keep making this thing happen so we have something to do with our free time. It's pretty cool. Like yeah. Cost of a cup of black coffee a month. Yeah. You could support us. Yep. We're about to have a sweet summer party that yeah. you can't hear about because it's super Patreon secret. Right. But yeah. we, we drink beer. We we cook for you guys in Patreon sometimes. We are going to screen a movie at this event. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you're interested in that sort of thing, it's a really, really fun group of people. Um, I know we, we sort of get into autopilot a lot of the time talking about Patreon, but it really is super fun. I've met a lot of great people through it. I know you have too. Um, if you're a fan of the show and you live yeah. within a half an hour of Chico, it's... I think it's worth it. It's you're we're wasting your money not exactly not yeah. getting involved. Yeah. So, um, but no, we, yeah, we have this event. We also just put out bonus content all the time. We put at least one episode out a week. We have uh, that we have been slacking lately. Usually, get-togethers once a month to drink beer and talk about movies and all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. Um, again, we'll get back on track with that. Soon yeah. Too. Yes. Uh, it's Patreon.com/slash/FreshHopCinema if you want to check it out. Boom, ba doom, ba doom. Okay, diving in. You have provided us with both of our beers. This week, yes, I have uh, per use, which is very nice. Also, really quickly, um, on the note of providing beers, go ahead and crack that baby. Um, if you've been listening for the past, uh, I think, couple months, we've had a lot of beers supplied to the show by our friend Cameron. Mm-hmm. Um, she's from Oregon. She made a trip down and brought us a bunch of beers. And I just want to say, today is Cameron's birthday. So, one big happy birthday from us, Cameron. We appreciate you and and all that goes along with that. Hell yeah, happy birthday. Okay. We appreciate you. That said, you did not bring us this beer. Johnny brought us this beer. Johnny, what is it? Also, I did not bring us this beer. Oh, is that right? This is a gift from patron and friend of the show, Matt Roberts. Love it. He well, was you brought out, me this beer. He was out in Colorado for yeah. a show. He took a vacation out there and went to a show at Red Rocks, checked off a bucket list thing, and brought back that beer for me. Nice. So, yeah, that is a, I think, nut brown ale from a, a, a brewery called Locavore Beer Works out of Littleton, Colorado. I've never heard of Littleton, but I'm, I'm glad yeah, you know, that I heard just, about it now. Just, this looks good. It's just a little town. Yeah, their beer is called, it's called The Squirrel. And like you said, it's an English nut brown ale. It's 5.2%, 32 IBUs. What do they say about it on their website? From their website, northern English malts and a light dose of hops make this brown ale slightly dry, but ever drinkable. Subtle sweetness of toffee, chocolate, man milk, and nuttiness <laughs> I forgot I added are that noted the in flavor and aroma profiles. <laughs> Light fruity esters round out this thirst quenching finish. I'm sorry, I threw that in as a joke. I meant to, I didn't, I was making notes earlier this morning drinking coffee. Like, that'll be a funny thing to add. Um, 
Sorry. Well, you know I'm like Ron Burgundy. <laughs> yeah. I will read what is ever on that's the prompter. Funny. Uh, yeah. Well, because at first I thought this was called Nut Brown Ale, because um, that's what it says on half this can, and right. then I, you turn around and it actually says the squirrel. Whatever. It's, uh, you know, we're drinking beer. Hopefully, if you're drinking beer, you're 21. Uh, you should be, actually. If you're not, stop that. That's from both of us. Officially, that's what we say. Okay. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this? Brown ales are one of your favorite styles of beer. I know that. We've but, talked about moose drool being very, very good in the past. How does this compare to uh, just your average brown ale? This is uh, world-class. It's up there with any other uh, world-class brown ale that I've talked about. It's uh, nice, smooth, mellow, easy drinking. I would almost let this beer warm up 10 degrees, I think, but it's, oh, God, it's almost ice cold right now. Like, yeah. I probably should have taken it out. Ooh, that reminds me. Our second beer is a stout. I'm going to remove it right now. Sounds so good. Tell me how this beer smells. Well, so what I was going to say is when you said this is world class. Smell it. You said you said very, very uh, casually that thing. I was like, oh, is it? And you threw me off so much with your cadence that I smelled the microphone instead of the beer. I went like this. I went, wait, that's not right. Um, but now that I have smelled it properly, no, it smells It smells like a standard brown ale to me. Um, very, very toasty. Bit of chocolate on the nose. It 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 is really cold, like you're saying. So, um, yeah. I'm I'm wondering if not wondering. I'm sure we'll get more when it warms up. But mm-hmm. um, you've actually tasted it. Yeah. What do you think? It's nice and smooth. It's got a, a subtle, subtle creaminess that will probably come out more as it warms up. It's super drinkable. Like it's really really smooth. There's no rough edges to this beer. It's everything a, a nut brown ale should be. You get a nice light nuttiness with some toasted malts, almost like a dry coffee-esque, but it's not coffee. It's that toasted malt. So you get that toasted flavor in the finish that kind of leaves your mouth a little bit dry, but yeah. not in an unpleasant way. Just makes you want to take another drink. Yeah, it is really light. I do love that about a good brown ale. Mm-hmm. You get all of those those deep, rich flavors uh, uh, that you associate with like coffee or toffee or uh, chocolate maybe, but it's none of that weight. Yeah. So it's a great beer or a great style of beer if you get a good one mm-hmm. for a, you know late July or a hot day in general. Like I, I wouldn't be mad about this if I had to drink it. Like we, we talk about floating sometimes. It's not my favorite pastime. But if I had to go out on the river with some friends and this is the only beer that was brought. Mm-hmm. And there was no White Claw. And there was no White Claw. I'd be like, this is fine. I'm into it. Uh, and I really love this little dude on the can. Yeah, it's a great can. I don't. Oh, I see. I couldn't figure out what I was looking at. It's actually a chicken in a squirrel costume. What? Uh, which I don't really get, but. I don't either. Maybe there's a joke there that we're not privy to because we're not from Littleton. You know? I don't know. Maybe. I do like this, though. It's uh, it's very good. I, I need to put a bunch of uh, brown ales side by side because every time I get one, I'm like, this is good. It's yeah. a brown ale. Um, I'd love to try to pick apart a couple of them and find the differences. But Yeah. I mean, the main things that can detract from a brown ale is if it gets too bitter or it has too much uh, hot presence. So it gives oh, yeah. it almost an unpleasant tang. Uh, you want it to be kind of sweet and balanced and not, not tangy and not too bitter and not too dry. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways to screw it up. It is a, more of a standard style of beer, but it's also one that's uh, it's, it's not much to hide behind. Yeah, you know sure. what I mean? It's yep. almost like a Pilsner like that, where the presentation is all in the ingredients. There's no adjuncts usually. I mean, you can you see some sometimes yeah, that have sure. some stuff in them, but like for this beer and like ones like Moose Rule and the ones that we've talked about, and ugh, Newcastle. Do you not like Newcastle? Beer's gross. Uh, I think it's fine. so much caramel and artificial. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a garbage beer, quote unquote, but it, I think it serves a purpose, same as like a Rolling Rock does. Yeah. Like, it's not a high quality German lager, but, you know, sure. Places. But sh- like it does not hold a candle to this. Rolling Rock used to be in the premium beer category. Yeah, but that's before they had other beers, 
Like every beer was the premium beer. Yeah, like before eighty three, it, it was like up there with the best beers in the in the United States at one point. When are you talking about? Yeah, uh, like late seventies, early eighties, before it was acquired by Anheuser Busch. There were like five beers, right? I mean, there weren't five, but there weren't that many. Like there was, like somebody decided to call themselves the champagne of beer. Miller's like, all right, that's <laughs> us. And then so somebody has to be like, we're the best beer, and like they're all. I, I couldn't if you put like Budweiser, uh, Coors Light. Rolling Rock, help me out here. Like Natty Light, Natty Light, Stone, sure. All the crappy lowbrow. Put those all side by side. Perhaps. I don't think that I could differentiate between all of them. Yeah. I could probably guess two of those. Okay. Like I couldn't tell you the difference if I tasted them blindly between Rolling Rock and Pabst. Hmm. But I don't drink them that often. So maybe, like maybe you could. I know those are actually two that you go to. Yeah. But like, how about like a Bud Light versus a Miller Light? Could you tell the difference there? Oh, yeah. Okay. Bud Light tastes like bananas. Hmm. I don't think I actually ever had a Bud Light. Yeah? Yeah. Ever? No. That's crazy. Yeah, it actually, up until a couple of years ago, I didn't realize Bud Light was a light version of Budweiser. Because, <laughs> like, the branding's so different. The Budweiser's the red yeah. sort of cursive can. The Bud Light's like a, I don't know, I associate it with, like, football games, mm-hmm. which I don't go to. But because I hear they the, drink it there. It's the official beer of the NFL. Is it? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's why. Mm-hmm. Branding is on point. <laughs> it works. Yeah. 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 I mean, I feel like you would have had a Bud Light, like, on accident. No. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is that I didn't drink before I was legally allowed to. Sure. So like, I didn't end up at places like, this is what we have to drink, guys. Mm-hmm. Let's drink. Um, I did that a lot. Yeah. Like a lot of people do. I just, um, so when I started drinking, I was like, I'm going to order what is good and what people recommend. And <laughs> show up to the house party and somebody hands you a fit the rum. Well, yeah. here we go. Drink, get some drink of rum tonight. <laughs> yeah. Do you drink this the same as beer? Um, <laughs> what I wanted to touch on one more thing for this beer is that you mentioned Right away, one of the things you said was like sort of the creaminess. Yeah. Um, and it's been sticking out to me. Like the head of this thing is it's almost like a nitro beer. Yeah. Like it's really sticking around. There's tiny, tiny little bubbles. And it almost like if you look at my glass here, like it just comes away like a nitro head would. Oh, yeah. It's not a nitro beer, right? No. All right. Uh, that's something. It's uh, it's really creamy and it's really warm uh, in terms of flavor. It's not sharp or anything. It's 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 nice and round and. Nutty. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, I'm a big is. fan of this. Me so thanks, too. Matt. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Appreciate you. Uh, you let's rate it. Let's Let, go out of 10. Let's go out of 10. This beer, uh, I wouldn't really say that I'd go out of my way. Like, I wouldn't travel to pick this up. Which is was, a factor. I was just thinking what I'm going to give it. Yeah. Because, like, if this blew you away, you'd yeah. have to rate it higher. This is maybe this it's is, indicative of the style. Yeah. But I don't know. To quote uh, Dave Portnoy, it's good neighborhood pizza. Who's that? Uh, he's the president of Barstool Sports, and he does uh, one bite pizza reviews. And what's Barstool Sports? It's uh, kind of like the like alternative to ESPN for okay. like a younger generation. But like legit, it's like a real thing on TV. It's not like a like a no. Meme. It's a social media type thing. It's a website. They have stuff like that more than an actual TV network. Got it. But they have a bunch of podcasts and stuff like that. Um, so I think this beer is something like yeah, it's a good neighborhood beer. If I could run down to the the corner store. Pick up a six pack. I would buy it fairly regularly. Yeah, but the fact that it's not that for me, it's got to be a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's feeling like a like a seven nine, seven point nine. Yeah, I love that you're like always teasing these beers and breweries. With like you could almost you could almost be just a little better, but you're mm-hmm. not there, which is fine. Okay, so I'm gonna actually go nine. Damn son. Yeah, it's really really good. It is um, good. I, it's yeah, like not blowing me away. If I could get it all the time, I probably would. It would be my go-to. I like this more than I remember liking Moose Rule. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. When's the last time you bought a brown ale of any kind? Yeah, it doesn't happen regularly. I mean, it's not a go-to style for me. Yeah. Um, and 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 part of it is like, 
I can only speak to the California market and the Northern California market specifically, but for the past couple of years, the rage is like innovating with IPAs. Mm -hmm. Um, so you don't have breweries putting out like 12 different brown ales every year. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm into it. If, if there were more that came across my desk, so to speak, I would be more apt to trying them. Sure. Um, and you know, if some are this good, maybe I'll be seeking them out more regularly, especially as we, it's a bit early to say this, but as fall starts coming around in the next couple months, dude, we're only three months away from Halloween. All right. Yeah. yeah. We're almost, yeah. yeah we're, give me that pumpkin spice. It's basically small. Yeah. Fall. Small, small, small fall, small fall. Uh, so yeah, nine for me, 7.9 for you. That's the squirrel from look of or beer out of Littleton, Colorado. Good work. Let's move along. I like that beer. Yeah, I do too. Um, let's get into flick picks. I have Let's one this week this. that I really want to talk about. I almost watched yours. Okay. So it's on my list. Yeah. It, and uh, I think after this review, I will say it should be. Um, it's a film that came out uh, exclusively onto Netflix on July 24th. Um, it was distributed by Netflix. So I believe it's the only place you can watch it, though I haven't checked uh, Hulu or Prime Video or any of that. It is a documentary called The Great Hack. And it was directed by, and I'm going to do my best here. I'm going to say Jahane. Jahane. Does that look right to you? Jahane. I would say Yahani. Oh, really? Noahim? Yahani? Yeah. Okay. Noahim? Noahim. Yeah. And Karim Amer. Yeah. So the uh, the Fandango summary says this, exploring how a data company named Cambridge Analytica came to symbolize the dark side of social media in the wake of the 2016 U.S. presidential election, as uncovered by journalist Carol Cadwallader. Cad <laughs> Cadwallader. It's a different name. Anyways, it's so it's this documentary, and and. There's this company called Cambridge Analytica, which nobody, nobody ever knew mm -hmm. until this one thing happened with Facebook, mm -hmm. where it was discovered that Facebook had basically been using uh, third-party apps and surveys to collect personal information that was then used to, um, you know, further the objectives of various companies. Mm -hmm. um, and all of this is in the terms and conditions, by the way, that we all click on or just like, that's fine, whatever. Um, but where it actually came up is when... Uh, Donald Trump won the election and it came out that he was uh, using this company, the same that had used people's information on Facebook um, to exploit basically their um, uh, tendencies, their behaviors. Um, and even more than that shaped their behaviors. So based on these, like, I don't know, I think the bragging point was like, there's 50,000, 5,000, maybe 5,000 data points to sort of map a human being's personality on the internet. And based on those things, you can determine um, what their what their actions might be with regard to certain situations or how they might vote um, and how you can affect their decision making. They had a thing they talked about called uh, they would call these people um, persuadables. And they're the people that are not far leaning either way. And there's somewhere in the middle and you could sway them to be a certain way. Mm. Um so you could get a state like Michigan, which is typically Democratic voting-wise, Electoral College, and turn it red by targeting these certain people in various precincts throughout the state. Um, and there's this really compelling thing about how that affects uh, everybody and, and what that means on kind of a global scale with respect to democracy and all sorts of stuff. It's a really um, kind of freaky and creepy and a little bit disturbing uh, look at the way that everything that we do is tracked and um, – the implications of that, which I find very fascinating, but also it's too close. It's very mm -hmm. scary. Yeah. Uh, makes yeah. you want to get off Facebook. Yeah, it really did. So you said you almost watched it. I did. I wanted to start it, but then I think we started watching something else. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, it's it's on the list though because mm-hmm. I, I was fascinated when that whole thing broke, and that was a big part of why I got off Facebook. Yeah, uh, that is creepy. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like seeing all the targeted ads that were like, you know, you talked about something. And then you're seeing ads for it. That was another thing that was mentioned. I mean, I mean, that's that's the really provocative approach. Is like, are your phones listening? Uh, and and one of the talking heads people in this documentary was like, like probably not. Like you're more likely being programmed by what you're being shown yeah. via Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, like algorithms and what even your search engines show you. Um, and it's more likely to be predicting what you want. Yeah. So that one time we were talking about vacations and it was like Mexico and uh, whatever else. Uh, we talked about Mexico, Thailand, and that was it. Which and you had never Googled. I had never Googled. Yeah. And then I talked about uh, going to Hawaii oh. at, at my house okay, before I right. came over here. And then I just pulled up Google and I typed in trip two. Yeah. And it was like those three. It was those three. The yeah. two that we had just spoken about. Yeah. So, so okay. That seemed, I mean, that's enough evidence for me to be like, that's weird. Right. Out of all the countries in the world for yeah. it to be right. like. There's like 224 of them. And it picked yes. those two? Yeah. Yeah. That's creepy. Um. Anyways, I would I would encourage you to watch this, uh, you Johnny also. But listeners, if you guys want to watch it, um, I mean, like it it's gonna make you think, which is a very that's a good reason to watch something. I think yeah, it's it's not mindless, and there's a time and a place for mindless entertainment. But this in particular, I was in that mood. I was like, I want to watch something that is gonna uh, titillate me, um, and this did maybe a little bit too much. Um, and it's easy to kind of just watch it and be like, all right, well that was that. But if you stop for a second and just start thinking about it. Um, it can snowball pretty, pretty easily. Mm. Uh, anything else you want to know about this, Johnny Silvers? Hmm. Did it affect you uh, deeply enough to make any changes in your social media habits or um, any of your behaviors? Or is it just thought provoking? I mean, I guess a little bit. So w- one of their main bits of evidence was like these personality tests. Like, like you'll see something on your newsfeed that'll say like, which which character from Game of Thrones are you? Which fan? Remember which, those kind oh, of things? Yeah. And you'll be like, I'm Hufflepuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. They'll ask you about your personality. Like, are you mostly, it'll be like a one to five scale, like strongly agree or strongly disagree and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, do you, do you consider yourself introverted? Um, do you have a fulfilling life at home? Do you consider yourself to be strong willed? Like that kind of stuff. And then they wrap it up in this little bow of like, you're Jon Snow. Yeah. Uh, which character from the office which are you? doesn't matter at all. It's like all the other stuff that gets sent away to these companies that use it to form like a personality profile for you and then can more effectively target you basically to buy stuff or make you vote, which is terrifying or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, so for me, um, I've never really been into that sort of thing, the taking the personality quizzes, but I guess I would say it affected me in that I will never, ever take one again. <laughs> Um, and I'm trying to be a little bit more conscientious about reading terms and conditions. Um, granted, they're like 4,000 pages long, uh, and there's something in there tucked away that's going to be, you know, me signing away something. Yeah. Uh, in the wake of watching this, have you caught any of the news recently about Facebook getting fined $5 billion for privacy breaches? No. Yeah, it's all over the news. Is that right? Yeah, it reminded me of that. I just pulled it up to make sure it was right with the $5 billion number. Yeah, that's a that's a big number. But yeah. It's an unprecedented $5 billion penalty over privacy breaches within That's the last crazy, four man. years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a not weird, good. It's a weird time to be alive. At one point, somebody in this documentary said um, that data is the most, uh, most is the rare or the most expensive commodity on earth, like mm-hmm. pat, surpassing diamonds and oil. And it's, it's, it's what we have. It's what it's us basically. Yeah. You know? 
It's creepy, dude. Be careful, I guess. Yeah. Is tr- you know, try to be aware of when one is being manipulated. Let's all just move to the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Grow, grow chickens. Yeah. Fine. And then I started thinking about that movie, The Circle, that we did. Uh, I don't know when that oh, was. Oh, yeah. Tom it? Hanks, Emma Watson. Watson. Almost yeah. Like Thompson. And the and the the idea, in this, at least in the movie version, it was also a book, but it was like, let's put mini cameras everywhere mm-hmm. to be able to, like, so a paraplegic can go see what the ocean is like. And we'll have drones that can be, and like, mm-mm. even then I was like, no, but like now as it's becoming more and more, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, um, applicable or uh that's probably a good enough word um this can be used in in a real world scenario mm-hmm. like i'm just nope nope none of that put that piece of paper over the computer monitor camera. yeah like i mean you know yep you never know uh what do you think about elon musk and his branching out into integrating technology with humans like he's one of his companies is yeah, yeah i think it's i can't remember what it's called uh it's something like um Oh, I can't remember what it is now, but he's working on putting chip chips in chimps, uh, and they actually got it to work to where these chimps were controlling computers with their minds. Ugh. Um. So I guess I'm glad because you know there were people like 20 years ago when cell phones were starting to become a thing. That was like I'm never ever going to use one of these cell phones, and then those people, some of them, are dead now, and they they missed that. I'm glad that I'm hopefully not going to have to make that choice. Like I don't. One day I'm going to go to the doctor and the doctor's going to be like, do you want to put this chip into your arm that lets you control your home appliances? I don't want to deal with that. And I don't think I'm going to have to. Mm-hmm. Um, that freaks me out. I don't think we need to do that. There's other things that should be dealt with first, like the earth dying. Yeah. We don't need to control our TVs, fix the rest of the stuff, and then we can do that. Right. That's my like, opinion. Make Tesla's $15,000. Yeah. 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 Yep. So the great hack. It's on Netflix now. You can check it out. Let us know what you think if you watch it. Um, you can email us at fhccast at gmail.com or like Johnny said at the top of the show, all of our social medias are at Fresh Hop Cinema. Johnny Summers, what do you say we go to a break? Let's take a break. I have a quasi flick pick, but I'm going to get into it on Hot and Bothered because it's more of what I'm watching right now. Okay, so fair enough. Sneak peek for a brand new review of an Amazon Prime show. When we come back, we're going to start talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the latest from Quentin Tarantino. We are not going to spoil it just yet. So if you haven't seen it, it just came out um, this last weekend. Don't worry. No spoilers yet. But please do stick around. It's going to be uh, an an interesting, if maybe one-sided conversation. Max, do you know where the grooviest place in Chico is to grab a burger and some beers during happy hour? Do tell. It is the handlebar right here in Chico. 2070 East 20th Street. They've got an amazing happy hour, seven days a week from two to six. You're going to get a dollar off any draft beer, special pricing on, uh, what are they called? The well cocktails? Yeah, all of their well cocktails. And then like half off bottles of wine. It's a crazy happy hour. It's crazy pants. It's seven days a week, dude. Yeah. Is that right? Can it be seven days? It can. My guy, that is so groovy. So just to recap, that is the handlebar at 2070 East 20th Street with a seven days a week happy hour from two to six p.m. with all sorts of crazy deals. That's it, man. That's it. I mean, there's really no reason to not go there immediately. All right. Well, let's go. All right. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Miles. Put it there. That's your son? No, that's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Last night, we watched a Rick Dalton double feature. (laughs) All the shooting. 
I love that stuff, you know, with the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? No, I'm stunt man. Look at me. So you still direct, huh? Still here. You can do anything you want to him. I hired you to be an actor, Rick. Not a TV cowboy. You're better than that. Dwine. Cut! Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people. All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. And it has been. On August night and the leaves hanging down and the grass on the ground. Here I am, flat on my ass. Who, who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's gonna dig you. And that gospel group telling you salvation show. In this town, I can all change like that. You're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget it. Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood visits 1969 Los Angeles, where everything is changing. As TV star Rick Dalton, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and his longtime stunt double Cliff Booth, played by Brad Pitt, make their way around an industry they hardly recognize anymore. Uh, the ninth film from the writer-director features a largely ensemble cast and multiple storylines in tribute to the final moments of Hollywood's golden age. Right. In addition to DiCaprio and Pitt, this movie stars Margot Robbie, Margaret Qualley, Dakota Fanning, Austin Butler, and others uh, in the traditional style of Tarantino cameos. We may maybe get into some of those a little bit later. Yeah. Um, off the bat, this movie came out on July 26th. It runs two hours and 41 minutes long, also in Tarantino style of being a long-ish film. Um, as of July 28th, it's made $41 million, roughly. It was made on a production budget of $90 million, and it's rated R, again, in true Tarantino fashion. Johnny Summers, before we saw this movie, I, and we saw it together, which was fun. That hasn't happened in a while. And a packed theater on opening weekend. That was nice. Opening show. Opening, uh, yeah. Yeah. First yeah. show, opening day. We went Actually, to the Thursday pre- previews, yeah. so extra early. We went to the premiere, dog. Yeah. Um, I said... So this is a Quentin Tarantino film. Uh, you know, what can we expect? And my predictions were um, witty dialogue, quick banter, probably some letting of blood and ultra violence at some point. Um, and and as we get into the show here, I don't want to, again, if you haven't heard the show before, we're not spoiling it yet. So we're going to be doing some dancing, some fancy footwork here um, in terms of plot. But I do want to know what you thought. Uh, a couple questions off the bat. Like, did this feel like a traditional Quentin Tarantino movie to you? Um, did you enjoy this movie? Uh, and what were your standouts, if you did? Or not. Standouts could be bad as well. Okay. Um, did this movie feel like a Tarantino movie? In some ways, yes, but it took a while to reveal itself. So for the majority of the movie, I would say no. 
Okay. Uh, the dialogue wasn't as as snappy and just as crisp as I was kind of expecting. Uh, it felt just kind of more like standard Hollywood dialogue, really. It didn't strike me as anything special. Um, what was the second question? Did I, did I enjoy this movie? Yeah, just in general. Uh, my my initial thought after seeing it were absolutely not. Okay. Uh, upon further contemplation and really just kind of trying to process this movie, because we saw it, what, four days ago? Uh, um, yeah. I would say I enjoy it a little bit more than I did, but not much. Was that expectation versus reality? Were you going in with sort of a, back to the kind of question one, like, was it what you expected? expected from a Quentin Tarantino movie, it wasn't that and you had to reevaluate or uh, um, what's changed your mind? No, I, th- I think, um, there was a perspective issue. I was, I had expectations, um, not only for it as a Tarantino movie, but just kind of, um, as a film by itself and like the subject matter. Right. Um, I had some expectations and it was definitely not what I expected. So this movie was surprising in a lot of ways and not all of them great. Do you want to, should we set that up at all in terms um, of, um, cause I mean, there's a lot of it in certain trailers. I don't know how much we want to give away. I mean, even, even saying more now might, might be a giveaway given what you've just said, but, but maybe not. I don't um, know. I think it's safe to say that this movie is about Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. They, that is, this is a movie about those two characters and their interactions together. And I wasn't quite expecting that. Um, just because of the implication of some of the other storylines in this movie. But yeah. So looking back and realizing that this is a movie about their relationship as friends and coworkers and whatnot kind of changed my perspective on this movie a little bit, but Mm. it didn't improve it drastically. I still definitely have mixed feelings about it and standout wise. uh, I think Brad Pitt was really good in this movie. I think he, there's a strong argument to be made that this movie is actually about him. Uh, I would say, in my opinion, he's the main character of this movie. Okay. I think he had, I don't know, there was a couple, like Leonardo DiCaprio's character was also very compelling and had an interesting story, but I think that they left Brad Pitt's character a bit more vague intentionally to possibly give it some more depth, and that kind of worked for me. I liked the the subtlety of his character and kind of just this man of mystery type, uh, like, Era, like an aura of machismo without um, like massive ego. Mm. Like it was an interesting balance that his character struck with like masculinity and, and machismo and also humility. Like he was never really like bullying or brash in, in any way in this movie, which I thought was an interesting way to write that character. It is. I mean, like what, what did you think of uh, like Inglorious Bastards? Cause in that movie, he's the opposite basically. Like he's, he's, Basically, what you see is what you get. He's very ego heavy. He mm-hmm. kills Nazis um, and just struts around with like this massive uh, machismo is a great word for it. like. Um, did you like that movie, Inglorious oh, yeah. Bastards? I like that one quite a bit. I did too. Yeah. Um, and he's playing a totally different character, obviously. Like, which which performance did you like more as a Brad Pitt performance? Oh, Inglorious Bastards. Okay, for sure. I okay. think that was that was one of Tarantino's better movies, and I think that was the best role that. You know, Brad Pitt out of the two for sure. Right, be that one. So this that was actually going to lead to another question. Like, go ahead. Sorry, this one, this character here. What's his name? Cliff Booth. Oh yeah. Um, might be cooler. Like as a character and Mm -hmm. as a person, like might be more fun to hang out with. Could be a cooler dude than oh than the than the the glorious bastards character Aldo Rain. Yeah, like Uh, I would want to grab a beer with Cliff Booth. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, so like I loved see like that characterization was so cartoonish of this, 
you know, American badass yeah. GI Nazi killer. Like yeah. it was just this overblown character, you know, it really was like a cartoon character. Right. So I think this role and this character, Cliff Booth in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had much more subtly and was quite frankly, a lot more gracefully written. I think that the other one had no subtlety. Mm. And I think that was just that character. So honestly, the more I think about it, there could be an argument made for either. Okay. You know, but sure. just as a movie character, God, that's tough because I mean, yeah, you're kind of, it's like apples and oranges kind of like kind you of you sat down with Aldo rain. It's like the first, he's just going to talk about killing Nazis all the time. You're like, mm-hmm. dude, it's like, we're in 1969 here. Like, let's have a beer. And he's like Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and and Cliff Booth kind of embodies that late '60s cool of like a like a Paul Newman in Cool Hand Luke, just like you know, a yep. good hang, somebody that you'd want to kick it with, and is like just kind of a more balanced person, somewhat. So. Yeah, so like so like these different performances, like I said earlier, Tarantino has a lot of overlapping cast throughout his movies. He likes mm-hmm. to use a lot of the same kind of core group of actors a lot of the time. Um, and looking at somebody as iconic as Brad Pitt, I mean, you're kind of forced to compare the roles. Yeah. Um, but in general, like, where, where does where where do you think this movie is going to sit for you in sort of the Tarantino pantheon of films? Towards mm. the top, middle, not good at all. I don't think it's going to be towards the bottom. Based I don't on what think it's saying. towards the bottom. I think it's it's middle. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a strong middle. Okay. Um, what about you. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm still sort of sitting on where I was when I left the theater, which is closer to your initial take. Yeah. Um, And it just felt like... Oh, don't get me wrong. There was a lot of things wrong with this movie. <laughs> okay. Can we talk about how long it was? It was so long. So, yeah, two hours and 41 minutes in a packed theater on opening night can have two effects. I think, one, it can be really great, really synergistic, and the crowd can sort of amplify each other. Or there can be a lot of, for some reason, really, really old people that talk all the time. Mm-hmm. Um. And that was more the case for us. Yeah. But even setting that aside, um, it was a long movie and I felt like there was a lot of dead air here. Um, I remember early on thinking a lot of the edits were very strange and sort of jarring. Mm-hmm. There's a scene with Al Pacino, who I forgot was in this movie, by the way, until we heard the trailer, um, where there's a lot of really, it could be cool editing, but for me it feels purposeless mm-hmm. where it's like he's bragging about how he watched, we watched two Rick Dalton films and it cuts to like loading the reels of film and then jumping back and forth to their dinner scene and whatever. Um, and it felt like it was just dragging out um, the 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 movie for the sake of showing the craft. Like like we can talk about fetishizing later, but um, like Quentin Tarantino is a, a classic um, director. He loves film. He loves nostalgia. He loves the golden age of Hollywood, basically. And this movie feels like an ode to that. And coupling that with the fact that he said this might be his last film directing, um, it felt like it was more of a just like a, like an ego trip to me. Like it, it felt like it was more craft than content. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I do think a lot of the performances were pretty good, I think um, Margot Robbie did a good job with what she was given. Um, All four lines. Yeah. Like, and she's actually spoken on interviews saying she was glad to not have that many lines to be able to be a little bit more um, um, emotive physically, I guess, um, which I think is, we'll get into that in the danger zone. Um, but like, I missed a lot of what I expected from a Tarantino movie, even though I hate the hateful eight, maybe fittingly, um, there was still that dialogue and there was still like the, the explosions of Tarantino, uh, vibe. And here it felt like a sloppily written thing. Like Rick Dalton's character, Leonardo DiCaprio like stuttered, which I'm sure was a choice, but he, it was like a thing. 
He clearly had some problems, but none of the dialogue ever gripped me. And the story wasn't particularly compelling enough until like the end of the third act where you have to tune in um, to really draw me into it. Yeah, because I think the main problem with that is it wasn't really a story as much. It was just kind of a slice of life of like a semi washed up actor. Sure. Like what, what was the story of the first, you know. Like yeah. so I'm saying like it's so he's a TV star. Rick Dalton is Leonardo DiCaprio. And, and like we said earlier, Brad Pitt's his stunt double. And he's sort of fizzling, I guess, in Hollywood. Right. And there's like this sort of new new age coming in with like hippies. And um, that's it. It's hippies. That's how he frames it. There's mm-hmm. like this new crowd coming in. Um, and that's it. And we're sort of dealing with the aftermath of him, I guess, sort of coping with what his future is going to look like. Yeah. And that's that's sort of how it sets out. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. So, I mean, like the whole first two acts is kind of just a deep dive into the characters of Brad Pitt and then uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And I, I don't think those two characters are interesting enough on their own to warrant, you know, an hour and 45 minutes you of know, just them walking around. This movie was like an hour of Brad Pitt driving around LA. There was a lot of that. I liked these characters in the way that I liked John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson's characters in Pulp Fiction. But, but but they weren't interesting enough to carry no, the like, whole movie. I could watch those two guys driving forever. Okay, but I'm saying is like... You're saying they wouldn't be enough? I think if we had it more peppered, like, do you want to see them, just the whole movie, just the two of them, and like how their month is? Or yeah. like the way that movie was so balanced with all these interesting characters, they just fit into that pantheon and accentuated it. Whereas these two, the whole movie was centered around them, and were they strong enough to carry it? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously don't think so, but I, I do think that if you had taken characters, because I think it comes down to the dialogue again. It's like you have to establish these characters, and granted, Tarantino does it in kind of an untraditional way, where it's like random conversations about trips to to the UK and how they use the metric system and about burgers, which should be a mundane, boring conversation. But those two actors and the way the lines are delivered makes it really interesting. Mm-hmm. And here you take away all that pizzazz, and you just have them talking about his insecurities as an actor and Brad Pitt kind of patting him on the back. Like you're, you're Rick Dalton. Mm-hmm. Don't forget it. Like we don't even know who Rick Dalton is at this point. Yeah. It's a nut. Like he doesn't give us enough backbone to be invested in these characters. And with Pulp Fiction, it's nice because it isn't necessarily about them. You have sort of the grander scheme of things, Yeah, which is a whole nother topic about like the linear chronology of this. Mm-hmm. I think this movie could have specifically uh, with the stuff towards the end, like, if you had sort of edited it differently or maybe done some non-chronological stuff might've been really compelling. Cause then it's like, how does it all come together? Yep. For me, it felt like the ending doesn't really even relate very much to what I've tried to get invested in the beginning. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. You could say that this movie is uh, like a three hour setup to a five minute punchline. Yeah. You could say that. I would say that. Yeah. But even the, like, it would be like if somebody said like, <laughs> this is a hard thing to think of on the fly. Um, like if somebody was like, knock, knock, and you're like, who's there? And they were like, that's why the chicken crossed the road. It's like, that's not the same joke. It's not even the same punchline that relates to the beginning. Knock, knock, who's there? Like, Your mama. Yeah, like, what? what? Uh, so I don't know, man. It was it felt inconsistent to me, and it felt like, a, like I said, an ego thing for Quentin Tarantino to be like, look, I'm making a movie about how Hollywood this golden age has died. Now look, I'm in a fizzle way, just like the stars of old. Yeah, and then also, like, just in retrospect, was it a buddy movie? I don't think so. It kind of tried to be like a lot of people are saying mm-hmm. that that's what it was. Yeah. So it was just a movie about two buddies. Yeah, but it wasn't though. And we can talk about this in the danger zone. Like that's not what it ends up being about. I don't think. 
but that's like the majority of the time that they spent. So I know. can't you, you then maybe the argument is that it's what it was about. Well, then if that's what it was about, the ending totally missed it. Exactly. So then maybe that's the problem. Sure. So could be. we should get way more into this in the danger zone because it's really hard to talk about this with yeah, such veiled secrecy. It's probably confusing. Yeah. I mean, we're getting we're giving off our general vibes, but let's give it a rating out of 10 just to be safe. And then we'll come back around after a little bit. Question first. Should yeah. people go see this movie? Well, yeah. Here's the thing. Yes. I think yes. I do think there's some stuff to enjoy here. Like, I do think there's some good performances. Um, was it pretty to look at? Yeah. The, and we didn't even talk about soundtrack, but a lot of that stuff where you're like, just the driving around stuff, you hear songs and, and I wasn't alive. We weren't alive during this time, but like you get a vibe, like it does feel very Hollywood and very, very cool to be in that scene. Like there's some time on movie sets, which is very cool. So I say, go see it. Yeah. It's a good theater experience, but I don't know if I'd go in expecting a typical Tarantino experience. Okay. You? Yeah, I'd say go see it. I want to see it again. Uh, I need to, I think I need to, to watch it again to okay. really soak it in. Uh, I might like it less. I might like it more. I don't know. But I'd watch I, it again. I think it's it's worthy of another watch, and I think people should see it. Uh, it was pretty to look at. Uh, caffeinate before you go. Sure. Uh, bring some jerky because it's a long trail. Yeah. You know, maybe some trail mix. There you go. Possibly. We'll see. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'd say at least go give it a try. And yep. unless you're not super worked up about it, it's fine to rent it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So out of 10, Johnny Summers. <clears throat> I'm going to give it like a 6, 8. Oh, it's lower than I thought you were going to say. Well, I have to reevaluate mine. No, yeah, I actually am going to reevaluate mine. Yeah. That's better. Okay, got it. 6.8 for you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to go five. Yeah. Five out of 10. Uh, fine. <laughs> yeah. A lot of problems. Yeah. Good performances. Yeah. That's it. But yeah, well, I want to talk more in the danger totally. zone. Totally. Because it's like the form performances were so good, but they were so long. Yeah. And just like kind of haphazardly thrown in, yeah. I think. And I hope I would love to get some pushback on this, by the way. Mm-hmm. If you guys have seen it, please write in and be like, you guys are wrong. Yeah. Or or you're agreeing with us. Tell us. That's really nice to hear. Yep. At fhccast at gmail.com. Yes. Let us know what's up. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people saying that this is Quentin Tarantino's best work. I think that's a load of baloney. That's crazy pants to I me. I mean, yeah, like it's not in his he, so nine movies, like we said. Uh, what are your top three of his? Oh, Reservoir Dogs, okay. Pulp Fiction, Inglorious Bastards. Nice. Uh, okay. So the only reason I'm hesitating on this top three is because I, I feel like I saw Jackie Brown as a kid. And I, I've also not revisited Kill Bill. Okay. Either one. So those excluding really those... Mine would be, I think, the same as yours. Yeah, those those three, except I would put Inglorious Bastards above Pulp Fiction, which might be a bit of uh, heresy, but fine. I like <laughs> it more. All right. So, yeah, but this is not in the top three for me, um, nor do I think it should be in anybody's. Yeah. I don't think it's his best work, based on what he has defined himself as a director over the past 20 years. Yeah, those feet, though. Yeah, we'll get into that in the danger zone, too. All right. Uh, okay, so that was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We are not going to talk about it anymore until a little bit later. We are going to take a break. We're going to come back, talk about a second beer uh, that I f- – actually, I got this, yeah, technically. This is, so yeah, I take yeah. back what I said at the beginning. We're also going to get into Hot and Bothered, uh, and then we'll give you one more heads up before we get into spoilers. But stick around. We'll be right back. Danger Zone. 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 Danger Hey, question. Are you, are you pie or cake, if you had to pick? Mm, kind pie. of guy are you? Pie. Uh, that sucks. I am not pie. Pie is stupid. 
I think it's unless you have ice cream with it, then I think it's better. But between the two, if I'm going to a pie party or a cake party, I'm going to go to a cake party. Yeah. Yeah. And if you double down and put it at Great Notion Brewing in Portland, I would love to be there. In fact, I was there. Johnny Summers. Oh, my God. And that's where this beer came from. This beer called Cake Party from Great Notion, which is one of your favorite breweries out of Portland, Oregon. It's an imperial stout with coffee and cocoa. uh, And it comes in at 11%. Fun fact, it is also a collaboration with McKellar based out of San Diego. That is a fun fact. Okay. I'm very excited. So you've actually had this already. Yeah, you brought me back a four-pack. Why did I do that? Because you're a great guy, and you were up there for work. Yes. Oh, and it was my birthday. It was your birthday. That's true. You bastard. (laughs) I forget, dude. Uh, No, so I actually haven't had this yet. Um, You asked me if I wanted you to save some for the show. I said, sure. Um, And then I actually ended up having two more anyways, which are in the fridge now, (laughs) but I figured I'd just save them. So uh, you're pouring this. Um, One of your favorite beers from this brewery is Double Stack. It's an Imperial Stout, right? An Imperial Maple Stout? Yeah, I'm okay. not sure if it's Imperial, but it's a stout. Okay. Um, this, on the other hand, is Imperial. Like we said, it's 11%. So I'm expecting, not having tasted it and pretending I have not heard you talk about it, I'm expecting some sweetness. Did you say you haven't tasted it? No, I have not tasted oh, it. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm expecting some sweetness from the cocoa, something to give it that 11%. So I'm guessing either it's going to be really hot from the alcohol or it's going to be super sweet to cover up the alcohol. Um, just looking at it, looks thick. It's holding its head pretty well, in my glass at least. Um, and it's, uh, not at the best temperature. Did you actually pull it out earlier? It's been pulled out. Oh, it was? Whole episode. All right. It's been on the table. Okay. I guess I was confused because it does, when I hold it in my hand like this, it actually does feel pretty good. But then I saw the can wet and I was like, did you just not get it out? Cause I could have sworn you did it earlier. Anyways, you've had now, uh, is this your third or fourth or second can? Second. I still have two. Oh, wow. Okay. So you hated this beer. Clear. You hate me. You hated birthday gifts. I get it. You didn't want to drink this. So you, but I wanted to share it with you. Yeah, you don't. You only brought one can, though, right? It's yeah, not you're trying to share all I'm, three with me. Absolutely. Two. So I have two left. Well, yeah, two. You had three extra. You drank one. You were like, "Ugh." There's no extra beer. All right, well, beer I haven't drank yet. <laughs> all right. So what? What did and what do you think of this? Well, I think it's a terrible birthday present, and I hate you. Yeah, great. You know, I will say by the way that I drove back from Portland in one shot, so it's like a eight and a half hour drive. Yeah, I was exhausted. I was incredibly hungover. It's a long. It was like one of the most hungover Ugh. drives I've ever had to do. At least for the most part, it's a straight drive. It is a straight drive. A That's lot true. of I five through Oregon's just. Yeah, so I went to bed at like six thirty in the morning that night, hmm? and I got out of Portland at ten thirty. Oof! So I was sleep deprived. I was hungover. Um, all this to say. It was your birthday that weekend, and I said, you know what? I'm not going home. I'm going to drive the extra, however far that is, uh, not far, the and leave this on your doorstep. 0.2 miles. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that it's at least worth it in my mouth. Yeah. That was, that was pretty awesome. I woke up very hungover myself. Yes. We had had a nice evening in. Thank you for everyone that didn't wish me happy birthday because I didn't tell anyone. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's tricky when you're not on Facebook as well. I hate being the center of attention, so I genuinely appreciate you all leaving me alone. Yeah. So it was really nice. We had a nice little night, smoked some ribeyes and some corn on the cob. And some meth. And some meth. Smoked lots of meth. And <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Sorry. I don't either. You know, if I smoke things, it's going to be heroin. Sure. So, Also, yeah, never mind. But anyways, not about drugs. Yeah. Woke, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> woke up and Max was like, there's something on your porch. Yeah. And I like stumbled out of bed at like 1130, almost noon. Nice. And there was a four pack of beer sitting directly in the middle of my front step. Like, 
I was yeah. so happy someone didn't walk off. With I, it. Yeah, I mean that's why I texted. I was like, I hope you gotta. You haven't said anything, so like I want to make sure you get it before you know. Yeah, the world gets it. Yeah, I think you texted me. It was after I went to bed. I think I can't remember, dude. I texted you. No, I got home late. Yeah, it was probably like around midnight because I got off work and started grilling, and I drank pretty heavily. Like sure. Going, so I think it. I made it to like ten. Oh yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, super awesome little surprise, and uh, I actually do like this beer. I like it because it's a lot more uh, understated mm. than a lot of Great Notions beers. It is not an over-the-top type flavor, um, but at the proper temperature, you really get a lot of layers. Um, apparently, this is kind of like a tiramisu-inspired type thing. Um, yeah, you get a lot more of like the like cake battery flavor almost, which is kind of... Certainly texture. Yeah, and not like super sweet, but it's got like a like a savory sweetness to it almost. Yeah, I mean, like this is this is no joke. You got to be down with the thickness for this. Yeah, for sure. Like this is this is a uh, yeah, it's thick. There's got to be a better word. It's thick with three sure. C's. Yeah, it, I mean, it really is. This is a, there's a lot here. Um, super chocolatey for sure. Yeah, I don't get any. Well, I only took one sip. But do you get a lot of coffee on this? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a weird sound from my throat again. I wonder if that came through. <laughs> it might've, uh, describe the can Johnny Summers. So we have this great can art from them that I don't know if you've seen before it's, but it's kind of like, a, uh, artist drawn, very not like computer generated. Uh, it, you can tell it's a sketch, but it's this really cool, like comic style of can art with some really cool line work and very like defined lines. And we have a, looks like a, a tiramisu cake or whatever. What kind of cake is that? I was actually thinking s'mores. Could be a s'mores cake. You know what's interesting to me is like those dudes look a bit like McKellar people to me. Have you seen like McKellar oh, yeah, labels? Yeah. I, think that, I think that's the idea. That's funny. Is it's very like lumberjacky, Great Notion, Portland that's woods. That's funny. Plus like McKellar artist uh, interpretation of what humans look like, which is not, not close, but fine. So I'm going to read what they say on the can. Please. Uh, This rich and decadent imperial stout was brewed in collaboration with our good friends at McKellar San Diego. Brewed with Dutch processed cocoa and conditioned on chocolate-infused coffee. It's like tiramisu in a glass. So tiramisu is what they were going for. Uh, I don't know if I've ever actually had tiramisu. Oh, really? I might have. But, Uh, like, most cakes and frostings and shit have, like, a ton of dairy in it, so I can't get down with that. Yeah. That's why I like pies. That's actually a really good reason. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Do you get thrown off by like eggs? No. Okay. There's no milk in eggs. Eggs or dairy, I guess. They eggs count as dairy, do they not? Is that not real? That's not real, bro. Is that for sh- really? Eggs come from chickens, not I thought cows. Eggs, bro. I thought eggs were a dairy product. No, just yeah. I guess chickens don't have. Yep, they're not milk. I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah it's a different animal, bro. In my brain, like it was, it was like meat. And then like cheese and milk and eggs. I don't know why eggs are in that group, but if that's completely wrong. Well, they're always right next to the milk in the grocery store. That's to be true. Fair. That is that is helpful to me. I'll give you a little bit case. of a pass there. Uh, but also, no. Uh, of course they're not egg. They're not dairy. Yeah, why would an egg be dairy? I don't know. It's just one of those things. Can we let it go? It's one of those things that I thought as a kid, and now I think it as an adult. No, we I We all mean, have those things. I guarantee you've never said that out loud. No. Yeah. And do me a favor, never say that out loud again. I will not. Good thing we're not. There's no reference of this ever, forever. Nobody's listening, right? That's for, no. 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 Nobody's listening. It's fine. Um, but yes, no, I, I, I'm i cool with eggs. Okay. I'm cool with certain types of cheese. Sure. Like aged cheeses, I'm down with. Got a nice Parmesan. Right. I can have Parmesan. Sure. I can have blue cheese. Okay. 
It's a nice aged cheddar. So do you get a lot of like blue cheese cheddar notes out of this beer? No. Okay. No, just, uh, but I don't know what tiramisu tastes like. That right. was the whole point of right. that rant. Okay. I what remember. do you? Uh, yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's a, I know I've had it. Here it is. Describe Here. tiramisu. Sure. Here's what it's like. It's a dairy product. So it's got a lot of eggs and it's, <laughs> it's, so it's like fluffy. There's lots of, uh, there's layers to it. It's breakfast food. It's usually sprinkled with, uh, with, um, like a chocolatey powder on top. Okay. Um, it's, it's light. I want to say there's custard in it. Hmm. Um, there might it's, be a crust. Uh, is there layers? I feel like tiramisu is layers. Is very yeah, that's layered. what I was saying. There's layers to it. We should Google it. I can't because my keyboard died. Oh, so cool. we're gonna figure that out when we take a break. I'll have to. I've we're never... not taking any more breaks. The yeah, show I guess ends at the end after of the show. This. Yeah, so uh, I can't. I can't look for anything now. And I was. I was trying to like think if I could get up and grab a charging cable for this keyboard, but nope. We uh, can't even hit the stop button. No, stop I'll recording. To, I'll have to hit that with my mouse, which is uh, not nearly as cool. Ugh. But it's fine. What are we? So we had a producer. A producer just walk to the next room and grab another, you know, another cable, plug it in. We'd never know the difference. But alas, tiramisu. Let's see. You got to say you're googling because that just sounded like you were like. What's I'm googling. What's tiramisu made of? Tiramisu from the Italian language spelled T-I-R-A-M-I-S-U, oh meaning pick me up. Get there. It's a coffee flavored Italian dessert. Okay. It's made of lady fingers dipped in coffee and layered with whipped mixture of eggs, heyo, sugar, and Mascarpone cheese. Oh, sure. Oh, so it's not There's custard. There's cheese in it. It's not custard. That's yet. It's a very dairy-heavy dessert. And it's flavored with cocoa. Sure. So ladyfingers are the little, like, bread little cookies, cookies, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you it's see them around, like, uh, you know what they look like. They're like yeah. little wafer-like cookie things. Yeah, they're good. They're like, good with coffee. You're thinking of biscottis, I think. No, because mm. they're, like, flat and slightly rounded, but not like a biscotti. You could also be describing a biscotti, though. <laughs> yeah, right? So it's like a shortbread cookie, basically. Yeah, yeah. I like Whereas a biscotti is uh, not short. Shortbread, is it? No, it's, no, it's like biscotti. a biscotti. Yeah. That's its own thing. I don't know what it's made of. It's more like a dense cookie bread. Yeah. Not less dense because it's got holes in it. Well, yeah, but, but it's an airy. But cookie. it's less yeah, it's less dense than a Yeah, you're right. Hmm. But a shortbread yeah, shortbread, we all know. Yeah. That's what a ladyfinger is. Okay. And it's usually sort of uh what shape is that that I'm making? Picklish? Um, it's yeah. It's not the right word. It's like a rounded rectangle. Yeah. Yes. Cylindrical, except it's not that wide. Like it's a flat, like a, like a stretched out oval. Yes. Yeah. Flat take, on one side. Yeah. Take an oval and pull it. We should make desserts. We should We'd be good man. at this. We could call it like the great podcast baking show. Right. So at the very least, based on what you have said, that tiramisu is tiramisu. This doesn't taste like it to me. It does not taste like mascarpone. It doesn't taste like any type of. Well, I could get a little that crusty, like some of that, some of that bready. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, I think crust note. I think they probably added the coconut for that. I think you misinterpreted what you read. No, I you're right. There's no coconut. There's no coconut. coconut. Cocoa. Cocoa. Yeah, for Never sure. Mind. Which is usually, there's a scene in the office since did we, well, we talked about uh, that, their poster in the bonus content. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we got a new poster in the podcast studio. It's a threat level midnight poster from the office in the office. Michael Scott at one point is eating tiramisu when he calls David Wallace on the phone and he inhales and he's starts coughing. That's because I think he inhales the cocoa dust on top. So it's usually, like I said, dusted with with chocolate shavings or what have you. Mm-hmm. It's like breathing in when you're eating a powdered donut. It's exactly like that. It will kill It'll you. It'll kill you. You um, did. So this is kind of, I get that vibe. I get the, the powdery chocolate lightness and I get a little bit of like pie crustiness or cake crustiness or ladyfinger, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Though I don't love saying ladyfinger crustiness. So 
for whatever reason. Um, this is good though. It is very nice. It's it's well balanced and it's it's like I said, one of the more understated beers from them. And it's still packed with a ton of bold flavor, but it's understated in that it's not all sweetness. You can actually taste the other things happening, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, and after a couple of drinks, I want to come back to what I said about the coffee. Like the coffee does come through, and I think that is kind of the main thing that's keeping it from being overly sweet. You get that bitterness and that roastiness from a coffee taste. Mm-hmm. That balances it out really, really well. Yeah. I like this beer quite a bit. I do too. Yeah, this is tasty. I'm glad you have a couple more cans. I'm glad that I have a couple more cans. Um, I'd like to... How long do uh, cans last? Like this, I guess I think of it as a crowler, but it's this the can? same as a normal can. Yeah, yeah. this can would, would yeah, age fine. I'm going to hang on to it for a while. I'm going to hang on to at least one for, let's say, a year. Maybe I will too. Just okay. so you know how little I care about you. Perfect. <laughs> uh, let's rate it, my friend. This is a strong beer. This is a very strong beer. It is... Upper echelon as far as dessert stouts go for me because I don't feel like it's going to give me diabetes. Sure. I do not feel like I need a shot of insulin in my leg right now, which is very refreshing. It's got a ton of Sorry, cough. the shot of insulin in your leg is what is refreshing. <laughs> it's very, yes. Mm, that's ooh, so good. That's so good. Uh, no, I, I, okay. yeah, I get you. Know, you then. It's like shooting yourself in the neck with an EpiPen. Sometimes sure. it just gets you out of bed in the morning, baby. Yeah, no, the fact that I don't need that after this is quite refreshing yes. because stylistically stouts have taken a turn for the dessert, and I, for one, like this return to a more true-to-form style, even though it is an adjunct beer. Uh, it tastes more beer-like than a lot of dessert stouts out there right now, so for that reason, this is going to be an 8.5 for me. Nice, dude. I really like this beer. Uh, I think it is is one that is superior to a lot of similar beers on the market right now. Yeah, uh, I agree with with. I think all of that, actually. Um, my only thing is it is still just a little bit the way that it finishes and sits kind of on the palate is a little bit much for me. Um, I don't know that there's quite enough of the coffee uh, or or like the sort of whatever might counterbalance the sweetness. I would still love a little bit more alcohol, maybe. Mm. Um, something to give, the, something to justify that heaviness from the sweetness. Um, it's really good. I actually think that at this point I might enjoy it a little bit colder. Mm. Um, cause there's, we haven't really talked about it, but like no carbonation on this thing at this point, and maybe there were never was, um, and not no carbonation, but it's, it's very low in carbonation. I oh, think. it's motor oil. It's syrupy. Um, yeah. And I think when you do have that kind of viscosity, you need to have more balance than it has for me at least. Um, so I'm going to go an eight flat. So you need some cream with this coffee. I could drop a little cream or an egg, just drop an egg white in there or an egg yolk. You know, they used to use, uh. Eggs and cocktails. They do that. That's still that's do that. still a thing. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Which I think wouldn't bother you quite so much. What do you Because you don't, because you're not affected by oh, that. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> no, but you do. You use egg whites um, to give it sort of like a frothiness. Yeah. You know? Um, so, no. Eight for me. 8.5 for you. Seems like a pretty good all around beer. Hell yeah. It's not double stack. Fair no. enough. Okay. It'd be really good mixed 50 50 with double oh, nice. stack. Yeah. That was, by the way, the point. I went, I went there specifically to get you double stack. And they, they didn't have it. They said no. Well, yeah. I mean, they were like, they had it on tap. And I was like, can you guys please put it in a crowler? And they were like, no. We only put like two beers in a crowler at once. And I'm like, but isn't that the point of a crowler machine? Like you can put, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. They're like, sorry. I was, All right. Yeah. Cool. I'll just take everything else that you'll give me. Right. They do crowler releases there. Which yeah. Is which why. is so dumb, but I get it. And I was like, well, would you fill a growler with it? And they're like, nope. I was like, cool. Well, you just 
Put just some spit on my mouth and then kick me out the door. <laughs> spit on my mouth. I'm not opening it. Yeah. Right. Directly on God. my mouth. Spit hard on my closed mouth. The guy was nice enough, but I was like, Please? in my brain, I was like, dude, like this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And like he gave me the eyes, like, even though I didn't say that, he was like, I don't know. Whatever. It's fine. And especially like when it's not busy in there. It was like almost closing time on on like a well, it was like a Saturday, but whatever. Not like a Saturday. It yeah, was a Saturday. It's one of those things where they do it for you, and then they're going to do it for everybody. Well, no, no. It was a Thursday. They should have done it. Yep. Saturday, maybe. Tag them in this, everybody. If you're listening, <laughs> tag, and then whatever time it is in the podcast, tag them and let them know that's the time we were talking shit about them. Kind of. <laughs> about them. Not As a company, not the individual. You ruined my birthday. Yeah. No. They did not. I appreciate the effort. Yeah, and this is a worthy, it, worthy silver medal. So you mentioned earlier in the show that you didn't want to talk about a particular thing during flick picks because it was more of a hot and bothered what you're watching. Oh yeah, what is that? I spent eight hours of my life this last Sunday watching a. Net- you spent eight hours. What? You prefaced me. You prefaced this with me earlier, and you're like, "Yeah, I watched the whole show." And I assumed you meant like it was like a three or four. You watched eight hours of this thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What was I it? watched the whole series. I did not get the producer uh, notes on that. Okay. <laughs> go. Yeah, it's called The Boys on Amazon Prime, uh, and it is a show about a bunch of vigilantes trying to take vengeance upon superheroes that have been abusing their powers. So, in this alternative reality. Uh, superheroes exist. They are celebrity. They have achieved A-list status and they have become commercialized to the point of being on the level of big business, like big pharma, big ag. Like they're one of the, if not the largest commodity commercially in the United States. And that leads to a massive abuse of power and corruption and a struggle to expose that corruption and uh, take vengeance for some heinous things that the said superheroes have done. So that's the whole idea of the show. Just dropped July 27th on oh, that's hot Amazon Prime. Okay. So this is some hot, fresh content for and, you. And it's one whole season. One whole season, eight episodes. Watched all of them. Yeah. Turned it on with breakfast. You and know? then that was your day. And we're like, <laughs> I was like, I want to watch this superhero show. Like, and she, I pulled it up and I was like, I want to watch this new show. Yeah. And all she saw, Shalina, was the boys. And she's like, oh, I've heard people talking about that. Like, it's good. Wait, when? what day did you say this was? Uh, we watched this on Sunday. It had dropped. So it had been out like two days. Two days. Yeah. So it was quick. Or one day. We watched it the day after it dropped. How is she so connected that she's already heard stuff about Facebook? it? That's tight. Yeah. I need to meet some people there. Right. But yeah, she was saying that there was a buzz around it. And there's been a little bit of a buzz around it in some of my circles. And like, I've been seeing some ads for it that looked pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I started it with breakfast and she's like, oh, I didn't know there was superheroes in this. I don't know. Because she's usually not into that. Sure. Um, but Fair warning, this is a hard R-rated show. There is everything. Or TVMA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's really, really a hard R. Like, this is for adults. And right. it's Violence. Violence. Nudity. Nudity. Sexual. Sex. Well, sure. Not just streaking people. I assume that was in the context of sexuality. Yes. Um, language. Everything. Sure. Yes. Do they mention other, like, you're saying they're kind of coming back as, as a... Uh, an answer to superheroes abusing power. Mm-hmm. Um, do they mention superheroes by name? Are there um, any that like Superman's being a real dick lately? Yeah, but the main leader that is kind of the Superman S hero with red laser beams in his eyes and stuff mm-hmm. is called Homelander in this series. So it's all 
It sounds so lame. It, it, it is lame. <laughs> he has a, an American flag for a cape, and right. he never takes it off. Sure. Uh, you know, it is very satirical, I think intentionally at times, mm-hmm. which I really enjoy. Like, it knows the sandbox it's playing in, and it pokes fun at it. Sure. Which I enjoy. Um, Is it funny? Is the show, is there like yeah. jokes in it? Okay. Oh, it's pretty funny. Okay. It's funny. It's shocking. It's kind of sad at times. I okay. mean, it, it runs kind of the full gamut. Interesting. Yeah, it was surprisingly good. And there were definitely certain scenes where you're like, okay, this is a little cheesy. Right. Like it's got Carl Urban in it. He's kind of the main driving force behind this vigilante group that's going after him. And his name's like Johnny Butcher. I have to assume that other people are in the same boat that I was in with Carl Urban. Mm-hmm. Carl Urban. Was Aomer in Lord of the Rings? Mm-hmm. He was the guy that had two guns in the Thor movies. Yep, uh, like the janitor at first, and then he was like, "What? Are, what are the names of the guns?" I don't remember. Whatever. Um, and then he was also in the Chronicles of Riddick, if I'm not mistaken. He was uh, yep. somebody. He was the guy. That guy. Yeah, got a real serious mug about him. Yeah, he's got a stern face. And what'd you say his name was in the show? Uh, Johnny Butcher. Love it. Yeah. So the bad guys are good guys here. Is that how it's framed? Like. The, the they're anti-heroes kind of thing yeah okay exactly like we all hate the superheroes because they're they're the man they're kind of slimy okay and there's there's certain ones that are kind of good you get to meet some of them mm-hmm. it's it's a really interesting uh alternative take to the whole superhero genre cool and it was well written i really liked the whole premise of the plot it that's what carried me through some of the cheese factor is just the uh the overall idea of it was good enough to carry through some of the cheesier scenes. Fair enough. And it's called The Boys. The Boys. And they touch on politics, religion, sexuality, um, all kinds of corruption and all those things and like mega churches and yeah. just really interesting stuff. Like Put it, it on was, with your family at Christmas. It was good. Yeah. I think you'd yeah. like it. I'm, I'm, I would love to. Can I get your login? Yeah. That'd be great. Because <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just got to get my prime thing back together. Mm-hmm. My prime video. I'm fine with it. Yep. Listen to other episodes if you don't get that reference. That's fine. So that's what's got me hot. Yeah. And not much has me bothered. So fair enough. Life's pretty good. I've been watching a lot of Queer Eye, as we talked about in previous episodes, to the point where I've had to reevaluate my closet. Um, I had a lot of clothes that, like, you know how you wear a certain percentage of your clothes that you own and like the Mm -hmm. rest of it kind of just sits there until you're like, I got to get rid of this. Yeah. Well, I had one of those moments. I'm like, I'm just getting rid of stuff now. So I got rid of a bunch of stuff and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go shopping. So I did. Uh, check these babies. I don't know if you, if you haven't noticed them, but I'm wearing some sick white sneakers. I got some. They're, I've been having on white sneakers since I was like 12. Okay. And they're like a casual shoe. I got some new pants. I got a new pair of jeans, some chinos, some new button ups. I got a polka dot shirt that I wore at a show recently. And I've just reevaluated my fashion sense lately. I like and it. like just, you know, it's summertime. It's way too hot to be wearing pants, but I do it anyway. So might as well wear pants that look good. There you go. And I went shopping and I got those. That's what I've been doing. Not what I've been doing all week, obviously. I went shopping once, but it was fun. He's been on a shopping spree for the whole week. And part of that is like my come down from Amazon Prime. You're like, I need to shop. Like, Yeah. Well, yeah. And you watch enough Queer Eye, you're going to want to go shopping. I mean, like one of the dudes on there and his name Tan and his, basically his, well, he has two catchphrases. One was like, I'm going to give him the French took. We know it, Tan, enough. But also it's like, put in an effort. I'm like, you know what? That's, that's true. I've been with a person for almost seven years, and it's important. Keep that alive. Put in the effort. Look good for the person you're with and for everybody and for yourself. For yourself. Like, feel good when you wake up. That's right. So I got to get a haircut, and then I'm going to feel real good. Yep. That's how I feel with, like, a freshly shaved head. Yes. And, like, nice, clean shoes. Yes. 
like if I have a nice, clean, new pair of like Vans on, I feel put together. Yeah, like it's a fly yeah. AF. Yep. There's that. Do you ever take care of your Vans, like clean them? Oh yeah. But I then have there's the spray. Right, and then there's a moment where you stop. Yeah. And then you'll notice it like two months later. You're like, what happened to these shoes? Yeah. <laughs> and then you need new shoes. But also for certain pairs of Vans, they look way better that way. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But like white soles really bug me. I can't yeah. get behind white yeah. soles. You mean like the? See those right there? Yes. Those that kind of white sole. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I like a, a gum or black, but yep. I love gum. Sure. Like these. I bought these new. Oh yeah, those are. That's a great. That's a great that's pair a great of hands. Shoe, right? Yep. These are actually Levi's. Oh, nice, dude. They were $15 at Ross. Dope. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually stoked for my old pair of Vans. Those those were my, like, I hadn't bought Vans in a while. I was like, I'm going to get a, like, decent kind of upscale pair of Vans just for casual sneaker wear. Um, and then they got, one time I was changing my oil with them and, like, oil spilled. And I was like, well, that's the end of that. So those are going to turn into my skateboarding shoe. Uh, I do have some black shoe polish that we could just turn them black. I don't want that. That'd be cool. I'm just going to use a skateboard on There you them. go. Just, you know, rip them up that way. Then you can go shopping. Yes. Yeah. We could go buy Vans together. Sure. Sounds great. I love shopping for Vans. Yes. Yeah. One of my favorite. Because it's like, I know my size. Yeah. Give me those ones. Yep. Yeah. Listen, man, do you want to talk about some spoilers for some Quentin Tarantino action? Yes, I do. Okay. So. Spoiler. Final, yes. Final spoiler. spoiler. All right. <laughs> for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, How do you want to handle this? What do you mean? We're going to spoil it. We're not going to spoil it. We're going to assume that you've seen it, so we're just going to talk about stuff that otherwise we would have skated around. I'm not trying to spoil the whole movie, essentially. Um, so I want to talk about, uh, since you asked, um, the revisionist history aspect of this movie. With Malcolm Gladwell. What we danced around earlier is that Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate. If you knew anything about history, which I did not, apparently, Sharon Tate was murdered pretty brutally and pretty infamously. By uh, Charles Manson cult hippie people. Members of the Manson family, led yes. by Tex Watson. So we learned that there is a woman in this movie named Sharon Tate who is living with uh, Roman, Roman Polanski. Polanski. Um, and we're like, all right, we all know where this is going. We, have, we are armed with that bit of information, as well as the history of Tarantino films, which are very uh, good about changing history for the better, like Inglorious Bastards. When they killed off Hitler? Yeah. So like- you have something that could have gone a different way in history and that the audience is like, good, that's how it probably should have gone. We would have loved that. And this movie doesn't do that necessarily. We don't see her murdered, which is one aspect. But the problem that I had is like she is given, like you said earlier, so few lines and, and such little focus in this movie that it almost seems like she's made a, a non-actor in this by the end. And which gets to your point that you were saying like, this is a movie about, it's like a buddy movie, or it could be about, you can make an argument that it's about Cliff, but nobody's saying it's not about these two guys. Mm -hmm. And I think, what's the point of introducing the Sharon Tate arc at all? She doesn't do much in it. There's a scene with her in the theater, in a movie she's in. With her feet out. With her feet out. Um, feet were dirty, too. Of course they were. Dirty. Dude's got a thing for feet. Dirty, dirty feet. And it's just, I don't, it didn't, like, make it about fucking pick one thing. Yeah. Make it about these two guys and their emotional dynamic as a couple of dudes that have been working together for a long time or make it about the Manson family murders and bring them into it. Cause like the whole spin, right? Is that the dudes decide to go, the, the three hippies decide to murder somebody. Mm -hmm. And instead of going for Sharon and her baby, they decide to murder them first, Rick and right. Cliff. And, then they die because Cliff and Rick murder them. And Cliff's dog. 
And Cliff's dog, yes. Honorable mention. Uh, Brandy. To Brandy. Yeah. What a good girl. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, so I don't know. It just it felt so smattered. Like, why? Can I just say? Of course you can. It's your show. I think. It's our show. All right. <laughs> I think that if they were going to take this angle with this fairy tale, because it's Once Upon a Time of in course. Hollywood. It's a fairy tale. I want to be invested in the pure saccharine sweetness that is Margot Robbie. And she could have brought so much to this character. I was indifferent to her murder being prevented because she was such a small factor in this film. I didn't give a fuck about her. And you needed to care about that character in order to be pleased that the story did not end with her murder. Yeah. We didn't get that. No. So where are we supposed to go with our feelings? That's what I'm saying. Like, and I, yeah, this is where I think we're on the same page, which is why I'm confused that you like it as much as you seem to have come around to. Because it's like, it, it sets you up to believe that we we are either A, going to witness the brutal murder of this woman, and somehow that's going to relate to our two quote unquote main characters, yeah. or that's it. That's what has to happen yeah. based on what happens in history and, and Tarantino's history of changing History never mm-hmm. said a sentence with history that many times uh, in it, but it doesn't happen. And and I I just think this movie is missing that sort of nudge forward in whatever direction. It doesn't know where it's going. Yeah, which is not a popular opinion to have about Tarantino films because yeah, I think the the, the catch all sort of fallback for Tarantino is like no, it's about the movie making. Mm-hmm. Um, and taking out the hateful eight. That's usually enough. That's enough to be like, yeah, like Grindhouse or Death Proof. Like you could make the argument there's not a whole lot of plot there necessarily, but it's about like it's about the pulpiness. It's about the the homage to films of that nature. And mm-hmm. it, like that's enough to keep it going. Yeah. And here you lose all of that aspect of what makes a Tarantino film what it is. And you just have this kind of haphazard, not sure where it's going plot, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, you know, I think it was bad writing. There, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get hate mail, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think it was the best writing, and I I wanted to care more at the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I had... The thing is, the upon first viewing, I hated the first three quarters and liked the last quarter because yeah. it was the Tarantino we've been waiting for. Sure. The more I've thought about it, the more enjoyable the first three quarters were, but the more unnecessary the last part seemed. Like it, yeah, it was. It's, they're not this. It's not the same thing. They're like different movies. It's like the ending to another movie. Exactly. It did not fit. It wasn't cohesive in any way, shape, or form with the first, you know, two acts. Yeah. Right. It was really frustrating. The setup. Yeah. It was really, really, really frustrating because, like, Excuse if you me for one moment, if you look <laughs> at you. any of the parts of this movie, like first act, second act, they were pretty good. Like this, but when you combine them. You know, besides being too long, they didn't fit together. I don't know that I would even agree with the fact that the first two acts were pretty good. They were interesting. Like, there was some good acting from Leonardo. Yes. And, like... Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's tough. Because, like, there's this whole meta element to this. Is like, he's an actor in the movie. Yeah. So, even when he's acting badly, like, the stuff we heard in the trailer, like, you Nazi, somebody order fried sauerkraut, you Nazi bass. Like, clearly, like, cheesy, ham-fisted acting. But that's the joke, mm-hmm. which almost lends itself to the idea that you can't really criticize his acting because he is playing an actor, which is like, all right, fine. But at some point, we're going to have to hold him to some kind of standard. Yeah. And I, so like, what, what are uh, DiCaprio's most emotional moments? Not 
not as the actor on screen, but as his character, as Rick Dalton. Uh, there was a whole scene of him in his trailer kind of being mad at himself sure. for being an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was probably the deepest. And then there was a scene where he broke down crying mm-hmm. after a scene. Uh, yeah, because he got some nice praise from yeah, uh, a child, the child who, who also had like a nice, I think that's maybe one of the most Tarantino scenes in this movie is where um, there's a shot between, I guess we're on a set of a movie and it's between takes. And there's this girl who's probably like, what'd she say? She was eight, eight um, reading a book about Walt Disney, about Walt Disney. Um, and he's reading a book about a cowboy who is in his last days of being a cowboy. And it's a very sad, uh, which is very much Rick Dalton's story, which is clearly very much at this point, Tarantino's story, whatever self-proclaimed. Um, and they have a nice interaction where he starts telling her about the book and he breaks down. And that is like, it's this nice balance of humor because the way he describes and the way he plays it out, it's very funny and actual emotion that I think outside of that scene. And you could argue the RV scene where he's freaking out. Those are it. I think. Yeah. Um, I don't want to discredit by the way, the scene with, um, uh, Brad Pitt and, uh, what's the karate guy's name? Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Um, Bruce Lee, the guy that plays Bruce. I wish I had his name, but I yeah. didn't write it down. The Bruce Lee character. That's a funny scene. It was pretty funny. Also, Kurt Russell is in this mm-hmm. and is the narrator for the third. That's a act. whole nother thread. He's in the beginning too. Yeah. No. And then he's the narrator for the whole third act. It's inconsistent for me. Why? Yeah. I don't get that, but should have had Michael Madsen do that. He was around. Why have that one? I mean, I know why, because it's Quentin Tarantino. Like, yeah. have him in that one yeah. cameo in an old time Western, but. Also, his voice is way cooler than Kurt Russell's, so. Yeah, I'm, I like Kurt Russell's voice. Fine. I don't really, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Either one. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but the whole third act when it switched to the narration style was really weird. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he, yeah. that Brad Pitt's character thwarted the Manson murders while on acid, the whole concept kind of made me giggle. I do enjoy, on that note, like our conversation about Midsummer, Midsommar, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we had a lengthy ish talk about the uh the on-screen interpretation of what being on hallucinogenics looks like Mm -hmm. correct me if i'm wrong but they didn't really interpret any of that in any way in this movie right we just he's on acid fine yeah we let the actor do the portrayal Mm -hmm. and i'm glad it didn't go the way of midsommar here like i I don't know that i wanted to see hippies looking crazy yeah um but that was a it was a nice gag in the end, and mm-hmm. same with like the callback of of Rick Dalton's character grabbing the flamethrower. Mm-hmm. It's worth a chuckle. Yeah, it's Chekhov's flamethrower. But it seemed like it was they put a whole lot of weight on that. And like, yes, it was cool to see him do the flamethrower. That was it for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is just a bit of a letdown. I hadn't had the experience of seeing a classic Tarantino movie or one that would become a classic in the theaters. Yeah. And I was hoping this would be it. Me too. And it just wasn't. I was pumped. Yeah. Became unpumped. Yes. So. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else I need to spoil except that the dog was awesome. The dog was awesome. The cutest dog ever. I, I did. I liked those feeding scenes. They were really That cute, was a yeah. time that editing worked for me. The, yeah. The, the really intentional slowness of like the yeah. coming out of the can. That was a funny visual editing gag. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, but that, you know, I, I want to screen this again by myself. Yeah. That's really the true test. All right. I'm going to sit down and watch this movie by myself. So as soon as it comes out on DVD, I'm going to probably rewatch this. Cause I don't think I want to go to the theater again. Yeah. I want this one unmarred by other humans. Fair enough. Uh, once again, that's one spot on time in Hollywood. 
we have told you our thoughts, please tell us yours. You can email us at fhccast at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema. Or if you want to be a little bit more involved, you can support us for $1 to $50 per episode uh, on Patreon. That's right. Dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we have next week? Do you know off the top of your head? No. I don't either. Because this calendar wasn't showing up on my phone. Right. So. Okay. Well, we got more stuff coming at you, which is sort of the nicest segue into check out our website, freshhopcinema.com. You can see a schedule of what we are going to be reviewing. Um, you can also get a hold of us there if you want us to review a particular thing. We're open to suggestions. Um, and I think that's about it, right? Yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, this episode wouldn't be possible without Bernice Manhardy. Bailey Minardi, indeed. <laughs> it worked well, but it's so detached now from the original. We got to bring it back at least once. Nope. That's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. And we'll see you uh, next Tuesday. Indeed. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.